Amen. Resurrection power, the freedom that resides in all of us by a power of Holy Spirit through salvation of Jesus Christ. I ask this morning, if you have your Bibles, if you would take them and open with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. We're in our second part today of a five-part series of the warnings of Hebrews. They've talked about the writer writing to these Hebrews during a time of persecution and during a time of trials in their life and believing that us today living in the nation and the world that we're living in are living under persecution. And I believe every one of us are living under some form of trial during our life right now. It's obvious with the way that the world has become that we're in need of some help. And the book of Hebrews, through its warnings, gives us great help. Today, I want us to be talking about unbelief equals unrest, and that is the peril of unbelief. If you have your Bibles there open to Hebrews chapter 3, slide your finger to verse 7, and then stand with me as I read God's word, please. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of the trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin." For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Father God, this morning, Father, I just ask that you would help us to hear you clearly. Father, that you would help me to speak your message clearly that our ears would hear from you. Father, I pray that you would just fill me now with Holy Spirit for a time as this, Lord, to speak through me. Father God, we turn our eyes and our ears to you. Would you open them through power of Holy Spirit to hear? Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. 
We're looking at this and we remember from last week that the author was writing to the Hebrews people. It was a, probably a home church as the churches were just beginning and people were converting from Judaism to Christianity and Greeks were coming in and the Gentiles were becoming Christians, but those Jews who had gone from Judaism to Christianity were being persecuted. And last week we looked at where they found it easier to to keep from the persecution to just go back to the temple and to worship the way that they were worshiping there. And for that reason, they needed to pay closer attention to the gospel that it was through Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. It was not through all of the laws that they had come up with. It's not through their works. But today, we hear a very important message. If you notice there at verse 7, it says, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says... So our message today is being penned as all other scripture under the authority... And the inspiration of Holy Spirit, and these were words that the Holy Spirit had said back in Old Testament time. This writer found these first verses, 7 through 11, out of actually the Old Testament, Psalm 95. I find it very interesting. Now, of course, remember, your chapter numbers and verse numbers were not originally penned. That was added later so that we could find verses easier. But very interestingly enough, in Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11 are exactly where Hebrews 3, 7 through 11 comes from. I find that interesting. I believe God can do anything he wants to do. But the, the writer of Hebrews found that so critical that he wanted to share with them. And he uses throughout our passage today, if you notice the word today, verse 7's got today, verse 13 has today, verse 15 has today. Today, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today. That's what he's talking about to them right there. And guess what? He's talking to us today. What we need to do today. But he uses these verses beginning in therefore, referring back to verse 6, but Christ was faithful as son over his house, whose house we are if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm unto the end. Jesus Christ is our hope and our only answer. But the writer of Hebrews in these verses spells out the state that Israel was in when God brought them out of Egypt and probably the state of the church that this was being written to and very possibly the state of the church today. Before we start breaking down our passage, I want you to look in verse 12. He describes him as unbelieving and falls away. Verse 12, take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you in an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Verse 13, he calls it the deceitfulness of sin, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called a day, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Talks about those who sinned in verse 17. 
And with him who he was angry for 40 years, was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? Verse 18, those who were disobedient. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? And 19, the unbelief. So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. He describes the state of that nation. As God brought them out, he chose the Israelites in Egypt to be his people. And he performed many miracles for them, but yet they were unbelieving. They wanted to fall away. They had sin. They were disobedient. I want us to begin, first of all, looking at the witness of Scripture. He pointed out for them, writing to the Hebrews, he said, let's take a look at your forefathers. These Jewish people coming out of Judaism loved their heritage and their lineage that God had chosen them and what a powerful people they were. So he said, let me give you witness of the scripture. Let's look there at the beginning at verse 7. It says, therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not Harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they will go astray in their heart, and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This heritage group that they wanted to hold on to stroll strong was not much different than they were they provoked god that's a bad place to be church let me just mention that to you don't provoke god how to provoke god they provoked him through unbelief it says that do not harden your hearts He was telling them that when you're told to do something, do that. Don't harden your heart. Have belief that I can do what I'm asking you to do. And through their unbelief, they provoked him. They tested him, it said, and put God on trial. And God was angry with them. We've got to understand what's happening here. God has taken the Israelite nation that was captive in Egypt, that had become slaves, and they began crying out to God because of how they were being treated, that they were God's people, and he needed to come and save them. And God came in and miraculously, through the plague, showed his power, and Egypt was free. Excuse me, the Israelites were freed out of Egypt. And they began making their way on the journey when all of a sudden they come to the what? The Red Sea. Now, God just delivered them from Egypt. And they come to the Red Sea, and there's the Red Sea, and Pharaoh, and all those are behind them. What do they do? They begin grumbling. What's going to happen now? God parted the Red Sea. They walked through on dry land. As they walked around the wilderness, he protected them. God had a plan for the Israelite nation, and that was a plan of rest. 
God's plan was to deliver them from Egypt and take them to the promised land, Canaan. Canaan represents rest. They were to go in. God was going to get rid of everyone who was there. It was already producing, flowing with milk and honey. God told them, go. They sent a few people over to go spy. You know, the story of the spies come back to them. Joshua, Caleb said, let's go. The Lord said, go, let's go. But the others said, oh, wait a minute. There's some big people over there. There's some military people over there. We can't go. And what happened? The majority overruled the rule of the Lord and Savior. He told them to go. What happened because of that? For 40 years, they were to wander around in the desert back and forth. You know where they were wandering between? Between slavery and rest. It was right there for them. I just heard a preacher this week talking. He talked about manna. You know, they were out there and they got hungry. They got thirsty. And what did they say? Oh, why don't we just form a new leader and let's go back to Egypt? It's not what God's plan was. They were hungry. He provided them manna and manna and manna. You know, the young boy in the home, when he got up in the morning, he didn't go have to ask mama, hey, mama, what's for breakfast? Manna. Oh, mama, it's lunchtime. I'm hungry. What's for lunch? Manna. Oh, mama, what's for supper? I'm hungry. He knew manna. Oh, it's my birthday. What's going to feed me? Manna, manna, manna. That wasn't God's original plan. Forty years eating manna. God wanted to take them very quickly from slavery to rest, from persecution to rest. He said, go. But unbelief kicked in. They didn't believe God would do what God said. And we have to understand through that that this was God's chosen people. They were God's chosen people. They will always be God's chosen people. But they didn't receive the blessing of God's rest because of their unbelief. Not only do we see this, we see that they came right to the edge. There at verse 11, and I swore in my wrath, they shall never see my rest. Israel came very shortly after coming out of Egypt to the desert of Param, there at Kadesh. They were on the verge of immediate rest, but unbelief kicked in. If you notice, he used the word heart three different times. It's more than the mind. It's the heart. 
The inner man, where the actions come from, is where their unbelief had moved to. Excuse me. But it's not just the witness of Scripture. He then brings the warning of Scripture. This is very important. The warning of Scripture. Look there at verse 12. It says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance. <laughs> Firm until the end, while it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked him. Take care. Sounds like a nice word. Some of your others will say, Take charge, watch, make sure. Not often I do this, but the word in the Greek is called blepete, it's the word for see. So I, he is telling them here, to see that this doesn't happen, to watch, to take care, to work on it. It's a present active. It's a now. Right now, see to it. Right now, take care. And every other moment, see to it, take care continually, brethren, that there not be any one of you with an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Falls away. Apostasy. The Greek word we get is apostate, and we get apostasy from it. But let me assure you, church, that he is not talking about losing salvation here. The apostasy, the falling away, the unbelieving heart will distance itself from God. We're still his. It's still the Christians. It was still the Israelite nation. But because of unbelief, there was a distance or a standoff. When someone is asking them to do something, they stood away and chose not to do that. He says, make sure, brethren, that none of you have an unbelieving heart that falls away. To encourage, we need to meet. He was telling them, you need to meet regularly and have fellowship because it's Christian brothers and sisters who come along us and get us through the difficult times. It's the Christian brothers and sisters that need to come together and encourage because in this day and time, our flesh is wicked. Our spirit is not, and we want to sin, and they were wanting to do the same thing, but he said, be sure to encourage one another. The deceitfulness of sin. How can we do that? Because we're partakers of Christ. See, they didn't lose their salvation. They're partakers of Christ. He says in verse 14, if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance, that word stands for a title deed, a guarantee. Do you know what their guarantee was in the Israelite nation? It was God. Do you know what the guarantee was for the Hebrew people? It's God, Jesus Christ. Do you know what the guarantee for us today is? It's Jesus Christ. The warning of Scripture 
He was telling them, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as when they provoked him. And we see thirdly, the who of scripture. Look at verse 16. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? He's trying to explain to them that the unbelief and the disobedience caused punishment. We see there that those who were like this saw God working. Many of us today would claim only if God would speak to me. Amen. If only I could see God's hand at work. The Israelite people saw it front and center. And there were still many who wanted to have an unbelieving heart that God would do what he said. He, he said that he was angry with them. For 40 years, they had to wander around in the desert until that generation died off. They were still God's people, but they did not get to experience the rest because of unbelief. Church, let me bring that to us today. You know what rest equals? Remember, we talked that rest was Canaan. And when you read the story, Canaan represents victory. How many of you want victory in your life? Amen. How many of us want rest in our life? How many of us so often don't experience victory? We don't experience rest because we allow at times in our life of unbelief to happen. Well, pastor, don't say that. I, I don't do that. Yeah, we do. You're no different than anyone that's lived before in that aspect. I do it. There's times. What do we need to do? What does he say? Holy Spirit says, today... Right now, this very moment, at any moment in your life, when Holy Spirit speaks, if you hear his voice, do not, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. When Holy Spirit speaks, it's time to move, church. When we harden our heart, and we allow unbelief to come in, we begin to quench Holy Spirit. And there is no way that we can live the Christian life in today's time, have rest and have victory without the fire ignited of Holy Spirit. And we quench it when he speaks and we don't listen. When he speaks and we choose to wait. He speaks to all of us, a little nudging inside your heart. Let's just take a little journey and see how this might work. You have faithful church members attended the church for 25 years. 
one of those true church members that had a drug problem when they were a child. Their parents drug them to church. They'll tell you, I'm at church every time the doors are open. I'm at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Any other time something's going on, I'm there. All of a sudden, Holy Spirit starts working in their heart. And they begin to ignore that. And you know, something comes up. It's a ball game, a fishing, football on TV. And they have to miss one Sunday. They're pretty convicted about it after the fact. So they pray to the Lord. They confess that. They get back right. They get to coming back to corporate fellowship. And then something else comes up and they miss one Sunday and then they miss another Sunday and another Sunday. And every time the Holy Spirit pricks the heart, they begin to push it aside. And you know what happens before long? They don't hear anything. They have so hardened their hearts that they no longer hear Holy Spirit. Maybe Holy Spirit is speaking to someone. You need to step up and teach Sunday school. Maybe work with the children. You need to live your life this way at work and and not be one way at work and one way at church. Holy Spirit speaks to all of us in different ways. Maybe we have an attitude problem. We're negative all the time. And Holy Spirit speaks. And as we harden our heart, we begin to quench that spirit to where we no longer hear it. And when we don't hear the spirit in one area, it's going to be harder to hear it in another area. And before long, we have a heart that no longer believes what God says. We are cold and stagnant. And when that happens, we fall away. We do not lose our salvation, but we fall away and stand off from God. And when we stand off from God and we get out from underneath the umbrella of his protection, there is no rest and there is no victory. How does all this happen? Verse 19. So we see that they were not able to enter Because of unbelief. Not saying they didn't have faith. Not saying they didn't trust God. They just didn't believe God would do what God said. How does that fit for us? We talked a while back. Some have shared stories. Holy Spirit mentions giving a portion back to him. Well, I believe that that's what scripture says. I have faith. But pastor, you don't understand if I give something that I can't do this. You see, the truth behind that is you don't believe God's big enough to supply what God's asking you to do. I can't sing on the praise team. You don't believe that God can't supply that. You know, he loves a joyful heart. There are so many things that God has in store for us that we don't always want to put into place because we don't believe God can do what he says is what it boils down to it. 
Now, we can excuse it any way that we want to. But he's warning them. The Hebrews. But what Holy Spirit says was good for them. And what Holy Spirit says is good for us today. So I say to you, take care. See to it that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Be encouraged, one another, day after day, as long as it's still called a day, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Do you want rest? Do you want victory in your life? Do we want rest here at Mount Olive? Do we want victory here? What's Holy Spirit saying to you? What has Holy Spirit been saying that you've hardened your heart to? It happens to us all at times. Unless we stay right in his word and eyes focused on him. Just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. I don't know what Holy Spirit's saying to each and every one of you. I do know one thing for sure, that he is speaking today to each and every one of you. First of all, if you don't hear him speaking, if he hadn't been speaking to you, you need to check and make sure of your salvation, first of all. The only call you're going to hear from Holy Spirit is him calling you to himself. If you know without a shadow of a doubt where your eternal security rise and lies and that your salvation is in Jesus Christ and none other through his works and not yours, and you're not hearing the Holy Spirit, maybe your heart is a little hard today. But praise God, he's ready to soften it. What we must do is repent, church. We confess and repent. And then we must listen. Do you know where a lot of hardened hearts comes from? It comes from right now in a service. When the pastor gets finished giving his exhortation on the scripture. And he opens for a time of invitation, the greatest time of the worship service. Let me tell you, I love the music of worship. I love to be able to open God's word and proclaim his message to you. But that is not the highlight of our worship service. The highlight of worship is right now where you respond to what Holy Spirit says. And there are in churches all over this world, every Sunday, people that get up and harden their heart and refuse to respond and walk out a door. What is Holy Spirit saying to you today? Would you bow your heads for just a moment? We're going to start some music in just a moment, not yet. I'm going to give you just a few moments because, you know, Sometimes when Holy Spirit speaks, 
It's a still, small, quiet voice. I want to give you a moment to hear and to ask Holy Spirit to speak to you today.